This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello, it is Lols coming to you from Byron Bay, literally sitting on the floor of what will soon hopefully be our dining room. We've been eating our dinner on boxes, full blown in move mode. So if you didn't know this already, we have officially moved to Byron Bay. Very, very, very exciting. But we're in that um, that unpacking phase where I know when we look back at this, we're going to be like, oh, that was so cute and sweet. But at the moment we're in it, we're like, ah, when does the fridge arrive? <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, today's guest actually has really inspired the way in which we've cho- chosen to move because we're living a little bit more of a minimalistic lifestyle here in Byron Bay. I had the incredible Anita Van Dyke on the podcast because she's bringing out a brand new book. In fact, it's just hit the shelves. It's called A Zero Waste Family in 30 Days. And it's such a good read. It is so easy. You've probably seen me talk about it on my sustainable gift guide as well. Um, She has got so many tips for a zero waste living and they're all gentle. You won't feel guilty about having not done something um, and they're really easy to implement. They're little tidbits and great tricks. I love the way she talks about microplastics and how we can all do things to make a better change and to look after our planet. So I hope you enjoy this chat. She's a wealth of knowledge. She's also an aerospace engineer and a doctor, of course. Um, such a legend. Thank you so much, Anita, and good luck with your new book. I love it. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Anita Van Dyke. I'm so pumped to have you here. I'm officially a fangirl after oh. reading after reading the newest book. I'm a fangirl <laughs> of you, so I'm completely honoured to be on this podcast. So thank you so much for having me. So, well, mate, honour honor is mine. Um, so for people listening, your new book, A Zero Waste Family in 30 Days, is officially out, but this is your second book. You have the book before, which is... It's a zero waste, is it a zero waste life in 30 days? Yeah. So the first book is a zero waste life yeah. and that book is about zero waste living day to day. But then I had a kid and so I thought I had to expand this concept of zero waste living for a family. So that's what the second book is about. Awesome. And I will say as someone that doesn't have a family, well, I've got my boyfriend and I, I got, I took so much from it, even though I don't have a little bambino like you do. But um. I want to go back to before this kind of minimalist style of living that you have totally evoked because I, I, when you were talking about fashion, I could totally relate to you. I was like, oh, I was that girl that would go out and buy the Louis Vuitton bag. and <laughs> We all were. It. Yeah, <laughs> we all were. I mean, in our 20s, I'm sure we all experimented with more is more is more. You know, I was a complete maximalist in every sense of the word and I thought that my self-worth, my value and everything was based on designer labels. 
And I love how you say you would turn to buying, you know, the Gucci shoes if, you know, if you got a promotion at work or if you went through a crappy breakup, you then got and it was like it was this reward kind of pathway you or this kind of like reward you were fulfilling by buying something. Yeah, I call it short dopamine hits. Oh, I like it. Yeah, and it's something that's so easy, right? They call it retail therapy for a reason. You know, we all go through this notion that if we're feeling bad, let's buy something to make us feel better. If we're having a shitty day at work because our work colleague is not being nice to us, we go buy something in our lunch break so that we can feel better. If we have a bad breakup, we go, oh, it's better than real therapy. Let's go some retail therapy and we buy the Gucci shoes to make us feel better. But I realized through my 20s, buying all this stuff, I literally had a spare room that was never entered into because it was filled with stuff. Like how embarrassing is that? It was filled with stuff and it was because I was stuffing myself with stuff so that I could feel whole, that I could feel worthy, that I could feel more like myself. And I realised at the age of 27 where I went through my quarter-life crisis that (laughs) none of this stuff that I was stuffing myself with was actually fruitful. Sorry, I think there's a leaf blower. <laughs> no, it adds. It adds. <laughs> Don't Just worry. Say, there's always a leaf blower. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, no, I love what you're saying there because I think we can all relate to that, especially in our 20s, you know, um, and, and you're a very driven human being. Mate, you're a rocket scientist by trade, yeah. aren't you? Like that yeah. Would be- Can you tell me a bit about, yeah, your past life? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up being a migrant. So I came over to Australia when I was four. Yes. And so I lived a whole life where I, you know, didn't value these material things. We had nothing. So we couldn't value anything in terms of materialistically. And then I went and climbed the corporate ladder. I did really well in my HSC back then. Mm -hmm. I got really high marks. And I said, I wanted to be a rocket scientist. And I did. I did aerospace engineering, probably the hardest degree you can do out there. And I became an engineer and I climbed the corporate ladder, became for big companies. And I thought bigger was better. And I kept on climbing this corporate ladder to the point where I got to the top. I was an engineering manager at the age of 27. And I looked around and I looked at my boss, my boss's boss and then the big boss and I realized I wanted none of it. Mm. None of them were role models for me. I was going down a path, filling myself with buying things to make myself feel better but at the same time it wasn't going down the path of who I really was. I wasn't living a meaningful life and that's when I had a big epiphany and changed my career path. Ah. I love that you share that because so many ways that scene is kind of like the ultimate dream of success and financial kind of freedom and security. But I also love, uh, so up until four, you lived in China with your grandmother. Is that right? Yeah. So my parents came to Australia and they had to, you know, make a living Mm -hmm. um, out of a communist country. They literally came with $200 in their back pocket and worked their butts off and I knew what it was like to not have clean water coming out of your tap. Mm -hmm. I knew what it was like to have um, air pollution, 
you know, things that we take for granted in Australia here. Yeah. You know, remember a couple of years ago when we had the bushfires, there was a huge kerfuffle about the air quality. Yes. That was my existence for so long and that's existence for so many people in the developing world. Yeah. So we take these things for granted and I call it the rule of threes. Yeah. Yeah, it's great, right? <laughs> I'm going to talk about it now. The rule of threes is that a human can live without food for three weeks. A human can also live without water for three days. And also a human can live without water, um, fresh air, you know, clean air for three minutes. However, in this Western world that we're living with, where there's so much focus on being your diet, so you're whether you're keto or vegan or gluten-free, sugar-free, whatever it may be, and there is no focus on the things that matter the most, fresh air, fresh water, these privileges that we take for granted on our planet Earth that we call home. Mm. And so I think that living in this kind of Growing up in China where I've had nothing and now coming into the developed world where I have everything, I can see the difference and the, and the, and the changes that we need to make as a society to make sure that we don't take these things for granted. Totally. And I think as well it is so easy and that's one thing that I have really enjoyed about reading in reading your book. It is so easy to feel overwhelmed when you're like, oh wow, when you have that kind of like awakening of I'm living as a, I think you called it a maximum a maximalist life. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I want to change. And and it can feel quite overwhelming. And I like that you've got this quite gentle approach to going, let's not take things for granted. Let's be really conscious about how we choose to live. And you've now inspired me to try and make avocado seed tea. So thank you. Yay! <laughs> Don't waste avo- the seeds. <laughs> yeah. And a scrub. I didn't even know you could use avocado Just seed. Pop in it in your, um, you know, food processor yeah. and it makes really good scrub. So easy. Now, okay, so... You've got you've kind of hit that 27, you've hit that, you know, uh, corporate dream life and you're about to turn 28, which is that's kind of like what we call satin return in kind of hippie speak. And then when, at what point do you go, hang on, I want to study medicine? Where did that come in? <laughs> so I'm a, a, I'm, a, I'm a recovering overachiever, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, be a rocket scientist, now I'm going to be a doctor. No, so all of this came about because I actually took time out and I think we live in this fast-paced world where yeah. our value is based on numbers. So the amount of followers that you have, the amount of likes that you have, the amount of KPIs, so key performance indicators that you're ticking at work. And it's all based on this notion of how much your self-worth is based on numbers. And so I went and took six months off and actually took a pause and I went, none of this No no more of this, no more basing my self-worth on what others think of me, on what the numbers think of me. I'm just going to take six months off and really think about what I truly want with my life. And I call it a life sabbatical. And I think if we're all in that privileged um, way, we can, if if somehow, even if you save your money or live frugally and live more minimally, whatever you can do, even if it's not six months, even if it's just six days, To sit with yourself and really think about, am I going in the direction that I need to go in my life? Am I living a meaningful life? And when I asked myself those questions, it was no, no, and no. 
And my soul was screaming out, you've got to change. And I had to change because I was suffering health consequences from it. I was getting anxiety. I was feeling, you know, really low mood for no reason at all. And I think all these symptoms were pointing to the fact that I had to live a more meaningful life. And for me, that meant volunteering. And that's one aspect I talk about in the book as well. Not just volunteering to meet your own kind of selfish needs to, you know, tick that resume goal, but volunteering in a way that gives back to your community and get your family involved as well, whether it be a family of, you know, with your boyfriend or you actually with your kids as well, mm. where you give back to your roots and give back to the community and you can go, oh, this is what it's all about being of service to the world. And that's why I went back to study medicine because I really wanted to be of service in a very tangible, meaningful way. And I think as human beings, deep down, I can, I can tell you've clearly studied, studied human behaviour, but we respond to those intrinsic values as opposed to the extrinsic ones. So the extrinsic being like, I want the shiny car, I want the shiny Gucci shoes, whereas that intrinsic is how can I help, how can I feel like I'm part of a community and how can I ultimately connect to other human beings? Yeah, and that is so much more nourishing and fulfilling than any pair of Gucci shoes can ever buy you. Let's be <laughs> honest. Yeah. And all of those things are usually free. Totally. And None and of s- those things cost money. I saw on your Insta page you um, said nature is free and my favourite word in the entire world is biophilia, which is the healing oh. power, yeah, of Mother Nature and human beings. And I'm just like some days because I'm also working on a manuscript right now and I'm like, I need biophilia, I need a reset, I need to clear my mind and it's free and the change is instant. Yeah, I call it the green prescription and um, I've just finished my medical degree and I'm going to be a doctor um, and I'm going to prescribe nature to my patients because studies have shown that surrounding yourself with forest bathing, you know, the Japanese Mm -hmm. call it forest bathing or how lucky are we to live in Australia where we have beautiful beaches and beautiful bushland to hike and swim in. And so get yourself out into nature. And that's one of the tips I talk about in my book as well, where I encourage families to get outdoors. Getting outdoors not only nourishes your soul and keeps you healthy, but it also is a reminder that this is the only planet that we've got. Planet A, planet Earth is the only home we've got and we've got to look after it because we can't go to Mars. I'm a rocket scientist. We can't all go to Mars. <laughs> Can I ask you we, one question? Most about- of us have to live on Earth. <laughs> Can I ask you one um, very, it might sound like a very ignorant question about rocket scientists. Literally, when I think rocket scientists, I literally think spaceships and rocket science. What were you doing? I literally was doing rockets and spaceships and it's <laughs> it's called Bachelor of Aeronautical Space yeah. Engineering. That's what I studied. And so I did airplanes, but I also did rockets and spaceships and all that as well. So I'm literally a rocket scientist. And I can say to you firsthand, we're not going to Mars anytime soon. <laughs> Mars is not, not as beautiful as Earth. We don't have enough resources to get to Mars. So let's look after the home that we've got now. You know, let's not take it for granted. Absolutely. You mentioned that you had that kind of like quarter life crisis at, at, at 27. That takes courage to kind of go, hang on, 
do I feel good? What's it, you know, because it's so easy to self-medicate, whether it be with food, whether it be with booze, whether it be with sex, whether it be with shopping, whatever it is, humans generally have a vice. And for you to kind of sit sit in the feeling of discomfort and be like, hang on, this there's something that's not lining up for me right now. And one, I take my hat off to you for having that ability and, and courage to kind of like sit in what's important. I love knowing how passionate you are about a morning routine and let me loop back to why that when you have a morning routine, I think you feel more connected to yourself and then you feel clearer to make those big judgment calls on, oh, no, that doesn't feel right for me as opposed to, oh, I feel funky, I'm going to eat that thing or I'm going to buy that thing. Uh, Explain to me the importance of like, like even since reading your book, I make the bed every single morning because I get up earlier than my boyfriend and I was like, dude, we don't make the bed. And and, so, and he goes, it's always made by the time we get into it. And I was like, no. So I've now started sneaking back into the bedroom after he gets up and making. <laughs> That's so good. You're taking a tip from my book. And it's these small habits that actually make a big cumulative difference. And that is the essence of what living a zero waste life is. So you talk about a morning routine. Yeah. My book is based on three principles, self-care, home care, and childcare. And I base the first five days of my book on self-care mm. because if we don't put on our own oxygen mask first, yeah. we can't put on the oxygen mask of others. We can't take care of others. So I do have this morning routine and it used to be very elaborate before I had kids. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be about the yoga, it used to be about the journaling. But now I make it really succinct. It's just three things, um, meditation, read, so do something self-nourishing, and then also do some light exercise, so do some stretching, and that's it. And it can be five minutes in terms of five-minute increments, so 15 minutes in total, or it could extend out to an hour if you've got the time, whatever Mm. it may be. We're all very busy. But the essence of this is waking up in a way that is about you looking after yourself, nourishing yourself so that you can sit within yourself to make the big decisions of the day so that you know whatever happens in the storm of the day, in the eye of the storm, you are calm, you are centred. And so I think that's so important. And, and in this day, in, in like we, we, you know, you just talked about it before. You look after your boyfriend. You look, you're a, you're a sister. You're a mother. You're a friend. You're a carer. Whatever it may be, these roles that women entail are actually all-consuming, and we're often at the bottom of the list. So this kind of self-care, small ritual that you place in the morning for yourself is just a reflection. Hey, I matter too. I am an individual too. I need to look after myself too so that you can make the big decisions in life so that when you have a quarter-life crisis, you don't turn to drugs, booze or sex or, you know, shopping like I did to overcompensate for these things so you can sit in the uncomfortableness of it all, sit in the yuckiness of it all and go, hey, who am I? What do I want to do with my life? How can I move forward from this? There's a yoga, I teach yoga, there's a yoga word and it's called shakshin and it means to stand in the fire and be witness and not Mm. react and I love it. (laughs) And one thing that people often say, and I've 100% slipped into this myself, I'll get up, I have my morning coffee and I'll be like, oh, better work on my manuscript, better do my emails and I'll skip that self-care sometimes and man, oh man, do you pay for it 
two hours, three hours later. But if I've made the time to move my body, bit of yoga, bit of, bit of nature walk, connect, breathe, whatever it can be, even like four rounds of box breathing, you know, or it, it just it'll it sets you up for the day. And it does something, you probably know this more than me, but psycho, like psychologically where you're like, hey, I've just given back to myself. Now I'm so much more focused and I have more clarity for the rest of my day. You know, as, especially as a mother, self-care is at the bottom of our list and I think we all need to embrace it. And 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 one of the, the first day of my 30-day guide is actually aim for effort, not perfection. Yes. And yes. it's about making these small steps. I'm not even saying aim for progress over perfection because that's the typical term that you hear, progress over perfection. I say aim for effort. That's it. The fact that you tried the fact that you're making a small change is all that matters. And those changes in the long run will make a big cumulative difference. And sustainability has to be sustainable for you. Totally. Whatever you do in terms of the changes that you make, it can't just be an overnight thing. It can't just be a a, a one-week-long kind of overall haul. It has to be a long-term sustainable change that is sustainable for you and your family. Totally. Righto, for people listening now that are like, okay, I'm in, I'm in, I don't know what to do, this scares me, let's, um, I just want a bit of 101. So first of all, I love the way you describe plastic pollution because I think we don't even realise sometimes that we're consumed or playing a part in that. For example, like a face exfoliator that's got those little tiny um, beads in it. Yeah, that's micro. Yeah. yeah. Can you give us a quick little rundown on plastic pollution and what we can do to, you know, do our bit to make a positive effort? Yeah. So I'll break that down to two simple things. Firstly, mm-hmm. plastic is not recycled, it's downcycled. So there's this misconception out there that plastic can be recycled infinitely. However, it's not. So it is downcycled, meaning that it is downcycled to poorer, poorer forms of plastic until it can't be recycled any further. So it sits in landfill, leaching out methane gas. Second thing is plastic is made of petroleum, a non-renewable resource. So both of these things put together make plastic a huge environmental concern. So leaching of methane, causing plastic pollution in our oceans where our our sea life choke on it, microbeads and microplastic in our oceans. So the water that we drink is actually containing plastic. People don't realise this. So some simple ways to actually slow down your plastic consumption is what I call firstly creating a zero-waste kit. So a zero-waste kit is carrying in your handbag, backpack, or even in the boot of your car, some easy reusables that you can use to replace plastic consumables. So the most common things that you find in plastic um, beachside cleanups is firstly, plastic drink bottles. Now, we're so lucky, most of us can just get a reusable drink bottle, fill it up from the tap, and go. That's a simple switch. Second one that we find is plastic bags. So sea life often look at these plastic bags and think it's jellyfish and they consume it and it ends up in them. And then it bioaccumulates up the food chain. And who's at the top of the food chain? We are. So whatever the plastic fish, the fish consume, we consume as well. So replace plastic bags. Simple ones with like cotton bags. Or even if you're at the shops and you forget your reusable bags, 
ask for a cardboard box instead. That's another simple one. The third one is plastic coffee cups. Now, most people think that coffee cups can be recycled and they can't. They've got this plastic thin liner in them. So an easy switch is to get yourself a reusable coffee cup. And I have a great budget versus investment series. You don't even need to buy yourself a fancy, you know, keep cup or whatever. You can just use a glass jar, wrap it with, you know, a cloth napkin and you're good to go. I love (laughs) it. It's so simple. And the final thing is plastic straws. Now, there's a really nifty device I like to call your mouth. So (laughs) instead of using a plastic straw, why don't we use this great thing that Mother Nature invented, which is your mouth? And okay, some of us may need a plastic straw. So, you know, if you've got a disability or a young kid or you just don't want to ruin your lipstick, why don't you just bring a stainless steel straw with you? Got one right here, mate. Perfect. (laughs) So good. So these four simple switches you can put in your zero waste kit and you can have one for your whole family. Good to go. Put it in your backpack, switch it in your handbag. Those can make, that can reduce your waste. Your, you know, when you're out and about by up to 70% already. Yeah. And such easy, they're all things that I'm like, tick, easy, tick, easy, tick, mm-hmm. easy. Uh, interesting fact about me, I used to own a smoothie bar in mm-hmm. Melbourne three years ago and was right as the documentary dropped about how full-on straws were. Mm-hmm. And we changed over immediately to, uh, it w- wasn't, um, we, went, we initially had plastic, I'm going to be totally honest with you, but we switched straight away to a paper straw. Oh, perfect. And because you're getting a big green smoothie, and I did read at the start of your book, hey, you asked for a green smoothie and it came yeah. with a plastic straw and you were like, oh, no. But um, it, people actually got, so, I was so surprised how consumers got completely behind it and we did a reusable option as well. So if we had a, um, a, a keep kind of like big keep smoothie cup and I was like, you can just keep bringing it back in and we just fill your smoothie up. People want it now. People are ready. I don't feel like... Um, it's the hippie thing to do now. This is real life. And one thing I freaking love about you is your Insta makes all this really, like you'll do little flat lays of, and and this is what I really want to talk to you about because I still love fashion and I love that you still love fashion. Can you teach me your um, minimalist kind of like fashion hacks? Yeah. So I love fashion. Both my parents worked in the Australian fashion industry for 20 years. So fashion is literally in my blood and I love looking good and I love feeling good. And I can say you can still live an eco-chic life by a few simple tips. So firstly, consume less. So back in our Mother's Day and also in our Grandmother's Day, there used to be just four seasons in a year, you know, winter, summer, spring, autumn, and then you would buy outfits according to those four seasons. However, that's changed now. If you look at fast fashion, there's actually 52 seasons in a year Mm. because every week there's something new, there's a new trend. So what I would like to say is consume less. Look at what you have. If you want to still be fashionable and trendy, do a wardrobe workout, as my friend Faye Delante calls it, and reuse and rejig up your wardrobe by inspiring yourself by creating new outfits. Okay. My second tip is then to shop secondhand. Now I am a huge thrifter. I love op shopping. It's my, it's, 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 it's just such a great thing to do because it's 
It saves resources and it saves money and you can look good whilst, you know, saving the planet. And the great thing is it's not like the op shops of the past where it kind of smelt like your granny's old clothes. Op shops now are great because there's so much turnover of fashion that you're finding things, designer brands for next to nothing. And so that's what I suggest to people. And finally, the third thing is become your own stylist. Mm. So look at, get inspiration from Instagram, Pinterest or whatever it may be. Look at the styles that you really like. And most of the things you find will probably be, um, you know, classic items such as trench coats or blazers, which you can jazz up with a fun T-shirt or some fun accessories which you can find at the op shop. So invest in the classic pieces, um, you know, buy from brands secondhand or um, ethical brands that align with your values, invest in those classic pieces and then mix it up with accessories and whatnot that you can find secondhand. And I actually already do one of the rules that that you are very, very pro and if I ever... um, get say a new yoga outfit or a new piece I have to my rule is I have to give something away that's already in my wardrobe is that you you you're really pro that aren't you yeah so I like to call it one in and one out rule so if you are buying something new why don't you have to you got to think where am I going to put it first of all and secondly what do I need to get rid of so that I can introduce something new into my wardrobe if you put that rule in your in the back of your mind whenever you're buying something Nine times out of the 10, you probably won't end up buying the thing that you want to buy because it's just, you know, it's just a, it's just thinking more mindfully about how you consume. And a great way, another way to do it is you can do a capsule wardrobe. So for each season of the year, you can say, I'm going to do 30 pieces and I'm going to have a capsule wardrobe. You can do it that way. Mm-hmm. Or like I don't have a capsule wardrobe, but I just like to do the one in one out rule so that I know that I'm not over consuming. Oh, I love it. I love that you can still be fashionable and on a kind of like a minimalistic inspired life, which I I love. I think it's just about being more mindful and knowing that whoever makes your garment, and I know this because my parents were in the fashion industry, it's called the rag trade for a reason, Mm. that there is a human being at the end of this labour chain making these clothing. We want them to have a living income that Mm. is not born of blood, sweat and tears. So when you're consuming and buying from fast fashion, you don't know how the conditions of this person who made the clothes are. So you need to just think about, is this you know, $10 T-shirt actually worth the blood, sweat and tears of another human being out there in the world? I love that you've mentioned fast fashion kind of versus slow fashion. And the cool thing is so much sustainable, eco-friendly, slow fashion now exists, which is so inspiring to see that that is now readily attainable and these people that are doing this they just like what you said they care about the earth and the environment now footprint I love hearing that there's a um, wonderful I'm going to email this to you after but I'll also put it in the show notes it's a radiohead video clip called all I need and it's split between two boys of the exact same age and one boy is doing in about six 
six or seven years old and one boy's living in a Western world where he's putting his school shoes on and it's split screen with the boy um, in the sweatshop making the shoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see that. That is yeah. Just mind-blowing. Because I'm a very visual person. It really shows the difference between that sl- the, the fast fashion that you've just kind of touched on and it does still exist, unfortunately, and it's massive. So remember, I always, I always say, people, you do have voting power with your dollar. Mm. So choosing to support companies that give a crap about this planet is so powerful. Yeah, and and one of the things is vote with your dollar. How lucky are we to live in a democratic society that we can vote with our dollar and we can contribute towards a better planet by how we consume? So I think this is just a reflection that everyone is getting more engaged. We want to give a shit. Most of us do. Seriously. Oh, it feels good. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And I think that, you know, there's been a really, 2020 was a real hard year where Mm. it really made us reflect on what matters most. And what matters most is, you know, the love of our family, the health of our family and friends, and also the health of our planet. We can't forget that. Out of all those things there, the planet doesn't have a voice. She doesn't. She can't tell us when something's going wrong. She's trying to tell us through climate change and weather patterns and all that, but we're not listening. So now it's time to listen and actually pay attention and give her a voice. 100%. Now, this is going to sound like a weird question, but I know you're going to have a wonderful answer for me. It's coming up to Christmas. This is a time where we often consume a lot. We're buying gifts. We're uh, you know, like even just walking down the supermarket the other day, like there's so much like throwaway Christmas stuff that you're just like, oh my, oh my. And it's shiny and it's bright and it psychologically, I'm like, oh, pretty shiny. And, uh, you know, and I have to kind of walk myself away and be like, Lola, this is not going to serve you. This is very, I call like, um, I'm a nutritionist. And so I'll be like, you know, if you fuel your body with junk, you're going to feel like junk. I feel like psychologically, you feel the same when you're buying stuff that is throwaway, you know, it's got one use. Christmas gift ideas, the DIY, I think are the best thing ever. I had a guest on the podcast just this week in real life, which um, I wish ours was, but I made him um, gluten-free fruit mince pies. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> and it was so much fun because it was a healthier version. It was, you know, and I just, what would you recommend if people want to gift something at Christmas? It's really meaningful, but it really um, looks after the planet at the same time. Well, I think the first tip there is to gift an experience. Like you said, you know, um, the time that you spent making that beautiful pie and the engagement that you had with him afterwards, sitting down and chatting, that is what we all really want. Hasn't 2020 showed us that none of the stuff that we can click and buy online actually mean anything if we could just spend an hour with our loved ones face-to-face giving them a cuddle? Mm-hmm. So I would say the first thing is if you really want to give something, gift an experience, and it doesn't have to be anything big. It could be a voucher, so a DIY voucher and saying, oh, I wanna ha- I'm want i going to make you dinner on this date at this time and this is the voucher. It will be a three-course meal and, you know, it's a sit-down kind of thing with your friend. So gift an experience voucher. Another voucher you can give is 
um, maybe, a, you know, another experience. So you can say, I'm going to take us to the theatre or I'm going to take us to a museum or I'm going to give you a annual membership for your family to the zoo or something like that that is actually really meaningful and every time they do it or go there, they're going to think of you. Memory. But, yeah. And I love the one that um, I love that you said, like, if you've, if you've, because again, I said, I don't have kitties, but I could easily make a voucher and be like, I'll babysit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'll babysit for two hours and you will be the most popular friend amongst all. <laughs> like, you know, seriously, do, yeah. do I want another, you know, $20 plastic junk? junkie toy or do I want two hours of babysitting? Of course I'm going to want two hours of babysitting. Yeah. You know, and, and that's so easy to do for you because you're spending time with people that you love as well. So it's actually a give take. So that's the first thing I would suggest, making kind of a DIY voucher or gifting experience. The second thing I would suggest is making something from your, from what, what you already have or making something yourself. So um, there's a chapter in my book called, I called um, the thousand hour, the ten thousand hours. So, in any kind of mastery, it takes ten thousand yeah. hours to master a craft. But in our kind of throwaway culture world, we just kind of want to, you know, paint a little here, or maybe rollerblade the next week, and then maybe do <laughs> hockey, and then maybe do yoga. Like we have so much choice that we're mm. overwhelmed. So what I suggest is master a craft whether it be knitting, sewing, painting, doing something special and then gifting that, okay? Mm. And, and I think that's, you know, a friend of mine gifted me a watercolour that she did of the moon and I had it framed and put in my baby's nursery when she was born. Mm. Like it was so beautiful. Things like that are priceless. So that's what I would say. Make something yourself would be the second tip. And then thirdly, all, you can get something secondhand. Like go down to your local markets or your local thrift store and find a beautiful vase or a beautiful brooch or a beautiful scarf. Wrap your presents in a beautiful scarf or an elegant tea towel or cloth napkin and put a little brooch on it. That could be your wrapping paper, you know. Mm. You don't need to buy disposable wrapping paper that they'll rip apart and spend 30 seconds on when you can give something that can be reused. Or you can get a lovely crystal kind of, you know, platter or something and put some fruit in it and that could be a beautiful gift. You can get a straw basket and make yourself some jams and give that as a gift. The choices are endless. <laughs> yeah. What about like, um, and I've seen you do recipe, but like, body scrubs you could make like a body scrub and give that to your girlfriends you know yeah and this and this month I'm doing DIY December doing all those tips like you say so you know bath scrubs body scrubs body oils face cleansers there's so many DIY projects that you can do at home and you can gift those as well I love it another thing I really really love about you is that you clearly have an a hunger to keep learning and growing and the way that you say you, you read daily. Over lockdown, because I'm in Victoria, we had a very long lockdown. My I'm studying uh, full-time as well at the moment and so at acting school, so I would read a play a week and a book a week. And that sounds like I must have just been sitting at home reading, but I it, you get your brain gets fit or something happens and it just, this... There's, I think the best gift that we can give ourselves is to learn and expand. And the way you were talking about the mastery, you know, in the 
I don't know, I just think if you can keep reading, keep learning, keep growing and like reading your book, I was like, oh, now I want to read more about this. I want to learn more about minimalism. I want to, I think if I can tell anyone listening to this and all all of my drama teachers say is they're like, read. If you want to have a superpower, read. And I feel like you have that hunger too. Am I right? Oh, it started from a young age because so both my parents, they couldn't afford much for me as a kid, so I didn't have a lot of presents. But the one thing that they could do was take me to the library because that, mm. that was free. Mm. So every week I would borrow, you know, as many books as my library card would allow and I would read and consume. And I still do this as an adult because giving yourself knowledge is actually the ultimate superpower, like you say. And it's also free. We live in the information age. You don't need a Harvard business degree to know how to do a business case. You can look that up online. You don't need to have, um, you know, a diploma in, you know, X, Y, Z to be able to learn about the subject. So what I suggest is as part of your self-care routine is to spend a little bit of time to read. Mm. And it could be five minutes at first if you're a non-reader and you, you don't like reading or it could be an hour, and I read up to an, an hour or even two hours in the evening instead of watching TV. So one of the things that we think always say is like, oh, we don't have the time, we don't have the time. But I want you to look at your screen hours on your oh, phone yeah. Yeah. and see how much time you spend on your screen. On average, an Australian spends at least three to six hours watching some sort of screen every single day. Three That's to six scary. hours. Yeah, I know I'm that higher end too. I, I, I'm and I'm sure you are because, you know, you do it for your work. Okay, but think of all the other times you're just scrolling oh, mindlessly. So and then put those hours towards actually nourishing yourself with something like reading or learning or doing or creating. Um, I, I love that c- concept of create, not just consume. Because when mm. you're consuming mindlessly, whether it be, you know, um, reality TV shows or, you know, cat videos on YouTube, <laughs> you're not yep. creating. Yeah. You're not creating. Yeah. And creating is actually so much more nourishing and so much more exciting than passively consuming. <sighs> Big time. You've just made me, as you're talking, I can feel I'm playing with my hands. I'm like, oh, that's me. I've watched the cat videos. (laughs) You are. All I'm saying is don't spend your life watching the cat videos. And this is is what I love as well. And was it when you had, your daughter is Vivian, right? Yes, Vivian. When when you had Vivian, uh, I read that you kind of felt fear out of like wanting to protect and, and you know, nurture. Uh, but I've even noticed throughout all of the COVID stuff, I've really felt like, oh, wow, we're not immortal. Like we're mortal beings and life feels pretty short, you know, and you don't, obviously don't know how long you've got. And I think that when you have that realisation, as uncomfortable as it is to know that we're not immortal, it also makes you go, well, holy mackerel, I'm going to do what I love. I'm going to make a conscious choice to be the best human being that I can be, to look after Mother Nature. Did you find that motherhood brought that on for you as well or would you say that's just been part of having this more conscious lifestyle? 
I think it was a bit of both. But what motherhood really made me realise was that your child is a mirror of you. Mm. And it was a harsh reality check. Whatever you're doing, you are a role model, whether you like it or not now, to another individual. So in that kind of reflection, you have to think, what values am I emulating towards my younger child? What values am I emulating out into the world? Who do I want to be in this world? You know, it's all these hard questions that we have to ask ourselves and it doesn't matter if you have a child or not. It's, um, it's, it's, it's coming to terms that, like you say, we have a finite time on this planet, in this human body, and what do you want to do with it? Do you want to watch cat videos or, you know, keeping up with the Kardashians endlessly or do you want to do something meaningful? Do you want to write the next manuscript? Do you want to write, you know, songs? Do you want to create the, the next masterpiece of a book? Whatever you want to do in terms of your legacy, it can be grand or it can be really humble and small. It doesn't matter. The, what matters most is actually striving towards it and putting time aside to do it. Mm. And you can't do that when your attention is contained and distracted by things that don't matter, the endless scroll, the, you know, the sound bites, the, you know, the, the empty kind of news vacuum that we sometimes fall into. We need to be mindful of where our attention goes because that is actually the newest kind of luxury, getting back our attention from things that constantly want to strive to pull away from it. Big time. And that's why I'm so pro-nature because it's the quickest way that I can go fresh air, look at the beach, put my feet in the water. We're very lucky. We live on the surf coast of Victoria. So we're very close to the beach. And I'm just like, let's just sunset, boom, we're down at the beach, feet in the ocean, feet in the ocean. And it just resets you. And I think if you can find those little things, whether it be meditation, whether it be yogs, whether it be a nourishing meal, those things that reset you, get you clear, so that like, like you said, you can do whatever matters to you. And most human beings want to help and want to feel connected, like we said at the start of this, which yeah. you're doing tenfold, my friend. Oh, thank you. <laughs> For anybody that wants to get their hands on your wonderful book, it is officially available. I think it is a um, beautiful Chrissy present. And I love the size of it too, because you can take it to the shop. If you're, if you're, if you're like, okay, okay, I'm going to make a you've got a little DIY kind of cleaning section, you know, you can have your little list with you. I love it. Yeah, thank you so much. And I really wanted to create a small tangible book, which is a great stocking stuffer for everyone Mm. and a great gift, like you say. But I didn't want it to be overwhelming. You know, I want... It's not sustainability to be sexy. I want it to be eco lux. I want it to be simple because I am, a, like you say, a rocket scientist, a mother, a doctor to be. I'm an author. Like I've got stuff going on. Mate, we all do. I don't know. <laughs> Can I ask what um, type of doctor you're going to be? Um, so I'm going in as a junior doctor at the moment, but yep. I think I want to go into general practice at the moment. Awesome. Because yeah. then you can touch so many souls. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a good general p- practitioner is worth their weight in gold. And oh. I think, you know, a lot of, I want to, you know, be able to be of service to my patients. So yeah. I love it. And yeah, as I was reading about you and working on my manuscript at the moment, I was like, okay, Lola, you can do this. I'm studying full time. I'm like, oh, this workload feels really heavy. (laughs) But then reading about you, I was like, okay, no, no, no. I think you're fine. Because I don't know how you did it, honestly. 
I mean, I think that's, I go back into this quote in my book, a zero waste life is about not wasting your time. Yes. Not wasting your life. And I think this whole book is not just about reducing your plastic waste, which it is, but it's also about taking back control of your time and how you can use it towards things that matter, like studying, doing your manuscript and not, you know, scrolling and cat videos. Yes. And I love, love that. And I love that a zero waste life isn't, it's not just the practical things. They're very important, but it's, it is that like, well, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? What matters to your heart? You know, like who do you want to hang out with? Like we've all got to, you know, be courageous enough to know that within us. So thank you. You've inspired me so, so much. The book is out now in all good bookstores. And, mate, I cannot wait. I'm going to be clicking onto your DIY December tips and um, watching and you've got a new fan in me. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love.